Welcome in. This is your Friday scramble for January 7th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Andy Lack. And Andy, it's in the books. Round one of the year. We've got plenty to overreact to, but it felt like uh, felt like the first day of school. I had my I had my Allen Iverson, my answers on, my Reebok answers on. I was ready to go wearing my best outfit first day of school. It was so great to be back. I was, it felt like it took forever for the round to start. Um, even us being on the West Coast, like I felt like I was yeah. waiting all day for it. And then by the finally, uh, by the time we finally got going, it felt like guys hadn't missed a beat. Like I'm sure we'll get into it with the specific players, but there were maybe three or four different guys of the top names where it felt like they weren't even playing remotely close to their ceiling and they still ended up shooting six, seven under par. So I think the low scores are going to continue and I'm excited for what's to come today, my friend. Yeah, there, there's something to be said for being eased into the first round of golf, right? You can kind of get your stuff done in the morning. You don't have to worry about waking up and sweating your lineup super early. Then you get to watch it in prime time. It's in a very tropical, relaxing location. It, this is the perfect way to have the first round of golf for the year. Could you imagine if it was just like open championship, uh, 3 a.m., Everybody like sweating it hardcore from the first tee. That would be like the worst way to jump into a new year, wouldn't it? No, for all the uh, <laughs> all the criticism that the PGA Tour gets and the schedule gets, I think this is such a perfect opener. It's kind of a handshake opener. Uh, it's a course with giant fairways um, where these guys can kind of ease into it. And by the time we, you know, it kind of picks up steam as we go on. I, I'm a huge fan of the whole West Coast swing. Um, and I love how the schedule kind of starts, not just because some of these tournaments that we have coming up are in my backyard, but I, the tournament of champions has really grown on me, Rick, um, yeah. this year specifically. And I, I don't know if that was the layoff or whatever, but I really enjoyed myself yesterday. You know what I think you're getting? And this is very much a, okay. Say what you will about the tour championship and the staggered start. I know that people have an issue with that, but what that ends up creating is a situation where the top players play more in the fall and then start here. This is one of the strongest fields we've had in quite some time at this event, like by a significant gap over the last, you know, 10 years or something like that. And it requires these guys to basically start here because it's not just making the tour championship anymore, Andy, it's starting with a two shot lead. It's being close enough to the guy at the top where you are not, um, you know, you're not fighting for your life for four holes. And these are free points. This is a free way to start. Only so many guys qualified for it. That is a positive side effect to the tour championship staggered start that I know some people don't like. Yeah. And I think this is kind of a pushback from the stars because you'll hear, you'll hear stars complain like, the FedEx Cup is kind of structured against the best players in the world, which is, I mean, this goes down a whole rabbit hole with the Saudi golf stuff too, and their kind of response to some of that. But a lot of the best players will say, this isn't really fair because we don't want to play the RSM. We don't want to play the RSM classic every year. We don't want to play all these. Uh, we don't want to play 25 tournaments a year, but if we don't, we're, you know, Taylor Gooch is going to win the FedEx Cup every year. And right. this is kind of a perfect kind of, um, response to that where it kind of rewards the best players from last season they get to go to hawaii to a beautiful place it's guaranteed money it's no cut i am all for it and i thought it was a blast to watch today 
Let's overreact to it uh, quickly <laughs> <laughs> because we are one round in. Most of these guys will play 80 to 120 rounds this calendar year. And you mentioned it. Some of these guys picked up right where they left off. Patrick Cantlay, who won his previous two starts, but they were three and a half months ago. One shot off the lead, 66. John Rahm, same score, didn't particularly look like he was playing all that well. Andy, which is kind of scary. He's one shot back. Daniel Berger, Cam Smith at the top of the leaderboard as well. But th- there are a couple of guys who just said, oh, yeah, I'm I'm very good at golf. Don't forget about me. Yeah, I was very impressed by Rom and Cantlay and Hovland, for, uh, by the way, like shoots four under, losing strokes off the tee with, you know, his clubs come the day before with a double bogey. Like that's some scary stuff right there, in my opinion. But yeah, it felt like Rom was kind of chugging along all day. It was kind of a very typical Rom where you're not getting a ton of fireworks, but he's also just kind of right there in the mix. And then suddenly you blink and he's six, seven under and Cantlay kind of came on really strong at the end. I think he had a four or five hole stretch where he went birdie, birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie. And yeah, those are two guys in Rom and Cantlay that did not play at all this fall swing and they look as strong as ever. So that's kind of a scary thought for the rest of the field, by the way, EVR's mustache. I mean, unbelievable, just a phenomenal surprise. Just a Brillo pad is what it looks like. It is. <laughs> I don't know how, do we know how long it took him to grow that thing? It, it is. It's unbelievable. It's unreal. Well, I'm trying to think when was the last time we saw him? I could find out. How long would it take you to grow that mustache? Uh, you're talking to somebody that really struggles growing <laughs> facial hair. Um, so I'm pro I'm probably not the best person to ask, but I feel like we saw maybe he popped up at the CJ cup or something like he that. Played, he I, played Houston. Houston okay. was his last event. Yeah. Well, I don't think he was in a featured group or anything, or I don't think he contended. So maybe, maybe we missed it there. Um, but, uh, this is the first I've seen it in, in this full force. You know, Sam Burns had a good one uh, at times last year, but this this puts that to shame. This is like he should take this act on the road. I guess he does. Different city every week. Uh, pay, charge people admission to see this thing. It's it's that good. Well, what we love about EVR is he was kind of the guy that revolutionized the jogger, right? Yes, that's true. Oh, he's, he's a very forward thinker. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, like exactly. That. So I think, I mean, EVR might be onto something here and, Listen, he had he 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 had the play to back it up today, so that that would be really fun if we get him uh, in the mix coming down the stretch. Yeah, it certainly would be. You mentioned uh, Victor Hovland losing strokes off the tee, so I've got the strokes game metrics up here as well. And um, you're right, you know he goes out, he loses a half a stroke off the tee. Obviously, that one shot, I don't know what it was, 13, 14, where he kind of lost his ball is gonna is gonna cause issues there, but. Gaining two strokes on approach, uh, didn't putt particularly well, short game, whatever. That's that's kind of dangerous too. But you, you start to look at some of these guys metrics-wise, and I imagine Cam Smith's not going to gain another three and a half strokes on Friday in his second round, but he's a very good putter in general. Wouldn't be surprised to see him continue with that hot flat stick. Is is this just Rom or Cantlay's to win, or or can someone else win this golf tournament? I mean, I definitely wouldn't 
uh, I would throw Berger into that category. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Berger is an absolute threat. And he's another guy who had a little bit of a club's debacle, which is just further proof with when a narrative like that comes out, just don't pay any attention to it. Um, I, I mean, you've Colin sitting there at 500 and Sungjae sitting there at six under as well. And both of those guys, Colin and Sungjae, they hit the ball great yesterday um, and looked awesome. So I would... I would definitely like I'm looking at the odds that you have up right now. I think those are fair. Like I was looking when Rom was around minus three or minus four. And just from the eye test, he looked really good. I was thinking like, okay, maybe I can get a 12 or a 13 to, on Rom. Nope. They never put him above eight Not a the chance. entire time uh, yeah. at all. So, you know. Rom four to one can't lay five to one Cam Smith who's currently in the lead after one round six to one Daniel Berger at nine and then you get into double digits with Morikawa at eleven and Sung J M at fourteen to one. What was your biggest surprise or takeaway, if anything, from that opening round? Probably Justin Thomas, yeah, Rick. That's that's the answer. Yeah, I got to scroll I, all the way down to the bottom here. <laughs> you know, I. I here's the thing that we've kind of known about <clears throat> Justin for a while is the putter. He, he has a little, he's not going to be a John Rom where he's so consistently solid at everything that it creates this very high floor for him. When Justin Thomas's putter goes cold, like he can shoot, a pretty high number. He can shoot a 74, 75, 76. And we saw that he lost 2.37 strokes putting today. That's, you know, Justin Thomas is going to do that sometimes. But what surprised me the most is that he lost almost two strokes on approach. Like that was yeah. the biggest surprise for me. And the other thing that tends to bite JT in the butt often is when he is off with the driver, he is very off. He loses it significantly, uh, usually out to the right, which is where he, he that's kind of his, his big miss. And that's kind of scary. So when you're fighting that and you're missing fairways and it's compounding and then you're not hitting your approach, it was just a hard round. Now he's going to go out with, he's going to go out with Patrick Reed. That is the featured group on ESPN plus. Did you catch, did you catch this coverage? Do you have any thoughts? Connor B is in the chat um, asking us to grade ESPN's coverage yesterday. A minus at least. I thought it was really strong. I think you have to grade it on a baseline based on context. Like I have to, I think you have to think about what we've been given and what we've been served the past year versus what we have now. I think I'm sure there's room for improvement, right? I, I'm sure that there is uh, graphics that could improve. I'm sure, um, you know, I, I don't really have a strong take on uh, the commentators because generally a lot of the time I like watching golf on mute, but yeah. I was very, I was very uh, pleased with what we got as fans yesterday. And let's be real. ESPN plus is distributing it. PGA tour live is still the producer, the director, all of that good stuff. So it's the same announcers. It's the same. It's the same names you're going to hear. I thought they did a better job of staying quiet at times, letting the player caddy conversation happen. There seems to be a commitment towards that. There were some concerns about how many commercials they were showing, but I don't think we're at the four feeds yet, Andy. Right? This is the four feeds is not going to start until the American Express. So when you're kind of doing a featured group, there is a lot of downtime, especially early in the day and only 39 golfers on the course. I'm I'm hoping we get fewer commercials, but I I'm 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 pretty optimistic about what we're going to see 
going into going into the year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I thought like um, to have Phil and Hovland on. I think it was Phil and no, it was it was uh, Hovland and Brooks actually. Yeah. yeah, it was Hovland and Brooks actually, and it was we kind of just got lucky because that was such a fun group to watch. Cause Brooks was, I mean, I, Victor and Brooks play that round a hundred times and Vic beats Brooks like 99 out of 100. I mean, they were just, <laughs> you look at the ball striking stats too. And Vic played so much better than Brooks. I have no idea how Brooks manufactured a five under, but I think if you can kind of get in a situation, Rick, where you get a featured group going very early in the morning and there's always going to be a group of, they may not be the biggest names in the field, but there's always going to be guys that are going early off in the morning. If you can just have that going for kind of the diehards like us, the fantasy community, the gambling community, it it is going to go a long way, a very long way. So I was very pleased with, uh, with what we got to open the year. And you're right. The better is more to come with the Amex. Yeah, it is. It's a weird situation where what we want is basically less. Like stop, stop talking. Just let it breathe. Just don't don't do the overproduction. We don't need the bells and the whistles. Just show the golf. We we are actually asking for more, but we're also asking for less. It's like a weird, a weird combination. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the most frustrating things probably for people like me and you, Rick, is when people on the broadcast that don't really know much about gambling or fantasy sports try and give takes on gambling and fantasy sports like i see sometimes they'll say i remember there's a graphic yesterday like bryson opened the tournament at 10 to 1 and now he's at 14 to 1 what do you think about that you know what they always <laughs> say they always okay this is always the uh the comment is always yeah what it gets gone from 50 to 1 to 14 to 1 and the only response you ever get is well, that's value right there. I mean, that's what they that's what they call value. That's the only you'll you'll hear it constantly now. Every time you see it, it'll be, well, that's value. Or some some something like that is the response like 95% of the time. So I think there's a giant room for improvement with that. And obviously this is like a whole different conversation, but I think the way that we're trending in sports, Rick, and you've kind of already started pioneering this a little bit with like your cut sweat shows and Pat's cut sweat shows. I think the man, the success of the Manning cast really uh, added to this, but I think a future with many alternative broadcasts catered to specific groups of fans is probably a future that I am hopeful for. You're absolutely right. The Manning cast has certainly provided the template that I think if you get the right people, you blast it out to the correct audience, you're going to have something very, very successful. Um, Andy, we've got to do, there's, there's some good news situations going on here on a Friday. Bryson DeChambeau has released a new YouTube video that I know got you um, all fired up, but we're going to take 30 seconds real quick. And we'll talk about it on the other side. Remember, Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you You've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. All right, Andy. So Bryson DeChambeau is a YouTuber. 
You're, you're aware of this. I actually think it's quite fascinating. This guy has 226,000 subscribers, which is, let me tell you, no small feat. And he is probably, is there any other athlete basically top 10 in their world that is a dedicated content creator like Bryson DeChambeau's? I mean, if you want to count Patrick Mahomes' brother, I, I mean, I, I do not the, want to count that. No. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's absolutely nothing like it, Rick. And listen, I understand when uh, people like Bryson um, or anyone for that matter, kind of push back against the grain and kind of expand into uh, the TikTok and, and, and kind of new age verse of content, there's always going to be a pushback, but I love what Bryson is doing personally. And we can get into the specifics of the swing video. I don't know if yeah. that's specifically the best content for him. Uh, but listen, I don't fault him at all. And I, I kind of defer to you on YouTube analytics and the monetization <laughs> of YouTube, but a swing video that made very little sense from an instruction <laughs> standpoint, got 100,000 views. Okay, let's 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 look at this because this came out and uh, hold on, let me get us off to the side here. So I'll just I'll kind of play a little bit of this here. You're not gonna be able to hear the sound, but if you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see this. As soon as this video was released, Andy, you texted me and I think you said I have takes or something <laughs> to that effect. So um, let's let's dive into it. what this video essentially is. It's the, it says how to swing a golf club like me, Bryson DeChambeau, which. That I feel like we're already off to a rough start, but he essentially giving tips on grip and all this other stuff to try to get you to swing the golf club better. Rick, I am a, uh, I grew up going to golf academies. Um, I grew up playing junior tournaments my whole life. I I'm a student of instruction. I, I love, I love consuming instruction content. I'm going to give you a few terms that I have never heard before that Bryson threw out there in his video that I'm curious uh, what your take on or if you've heard of them before, because I have okay. never. Radius control, internal, external, triangle assembly, <laughs> and contact control. He said all of those things during that video, and I have not heard any of them once. Those are words that I, I, I know those words, but in context, I, that could be anything, right? If you were in a, if you were in shop class and those words came out, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. I, I have no idea what the actual context is and how he relayed that to, I guess, his own golf swing. Triangle assembly was my favorite. He, he talked not, about, and, that'd be and a good band, that'd be a good band name, triangle assembly. Exactly. And, and I get what he was going at, like the idea of keeping your upper body connected um, through the backswing is a very uh, important and useful tip. And although I've never really heard it be explained in that way before, but I was so fascinated. I'm so fascinated by Bryson's kind of thinking behind this. And I, I've always been a fan of Bryson. I, when it came to the Brooks and Bryson thing, I, I didn't really have a, a huge take because neither of them are players I actively root for or against, but it always felt to me like Bryson was a genuine guy that just never got the handbook. If that makes sense. He, he never got that kind of self-awareness training that I think you see from other superstars. And I'm kind of curious to know what you think about that. Uh, he, so let's be real genuine. That word 100% Bryson DeChambeau is genuine. You might not agree with him. You might not like him, 
you might think he's annoying or whatever, but that's really him. Like he's not putting on an act or anything. Sometimes he might strive to be the smartest guy in the room and prove that to you, but he is very, very genuine. And the version that you get on the course, off the course, on the record, off the record, very, very similar. So I, that is, I believe that to be a good quality of Bryson DeChambeau. By the way, just to shout out some funny comments in the chat, Ikea instruction or Bryson golf tip. I'm pretty sure these are chapters in an advanced geometry text. I yeah. Fantastic. I could not agree more. So the thing is, and one of my kind of beefs, it's not a beef. I really don't care all that much. But sometimes when you get basically ex-athletes in the broadcast booth, you know they're good at their craft, but they're not good at describing their craft. And they just know it because they lived it. They might not end up being good coaches. That's kind of how I feel about Bryson, where he can clearly do this. He clearly understands it for him. But trying to relay his, first of all, very unique swing to someone else. Like, how to swing a golf club like me? No one should swing a golf club like you. That is unique to you. It's you are using single length irons. You're doing the most outlandish thing. This is not this is not good swing advice. No one should swing like you. They should swing like themselves. By the way, we what I loved about it is we got absolutely no context on who the friend was that entered halfway through the video and you just started trying. Who is it? I actually know who that is. That um, I can find his name. I think his name's John. That's his um, that's his videographer. Oh, so I, okay. I met them at the long drive. Yeah, he's on his team. His name is um, I follow him on Instagram. I'll find out for you. But yeah, that's his videographer, I believe. Um, so, so you may have a better beat on this than I do because you've kind of been a little bit more up close and personal, but kind of going back to what I said about, it just doesn't feel like Bryson has a team around him of people that are, I don't know, we'll say adults in the room. Like, like you look at someone like Tiger and I've read books on Tiger before and, and his dad talks about how he did this extensive media training with him since he was six years old. And it feels like Bryson kind of surrounds himself with like TikTokers and stuff like that. Being kind of up close and personal at the long drive is my perception of that, that Bryson just kind of rolls around with like a younger, more forward thinking crowd. Is, is that correct at all? Cause that's how it kind of just feels like. Younger, yes. Forward thinking, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not thinking. ready. I'm not ready to commit to that <laughs> phrase. But I think that I think that Bryson, and again, this is just my perception, rolls around with a lot of yes men, right? People that they're they're never gonna tell him he's wrong or he should try something different. They're just uh, it's a very good group of guys that are going to tell him he's great and everything he wants to do is an awesome idea and all that good stuff. Um, Mark puts a comment here in the chat, basically kind of alluding to what you were here, Andy, about working with the good, good guys and like the TikTok and the social media. This is probably valuable for Bryson, right? It's not, it's not necessarily Instagram. It's not necessarily YouTube, but solidifying yourself as a well-known, recognizable individual athlete is incredibly lucrative. A hundred percent. And look, grow the game is such a tired phrase at this point, but you look at like Steph Curry for an example, right? Because of Steph Curry, 
all these different kids that were maybe a lot shorter than your typical basketball player probably got hoops in their backyard and started just shooting and shooting threes. If Bryson sees an avenue, whether it be with YouTube or TikTok or competing in more long drive contests to get more kids in the golf that maybe they're not interested in playing a bunch of random junior tournaments, but maybe they're just Maybe they want to spend more time at Top Golf now. Top Golf now with their dads, or they want to try and right. hit the ball super far. Like that's like that's great for golf. That's awesome. Like that's that's awesome. I, I I don't think that we need to be so rigid about a lot of these things. If more people are swinging a golf club, uh, more kids are swinging a golf club because of Bryson. At the end of the day, like that's that's fantastic. Adam Hurley is the videographer in that video his instagram okay. is adam.john.hurley he posts he sometimes does post some stuff like behind the scenes stuff he's basically always on the road with bryson he's a he's he's a decent enough follow creative guy that's that's who that is slipping into that video did you see that bryson was not wearing his his hat on thursday no not only was he wear not only wearing his hat but did you see his tweet at after his round was it the He's, tweet about the 200, 200 miles yeah. an hour thing? Yeah, he was like 200 miles per hour ball speed was pretty easy today. What's, let's see what's on the menu for for uh, for today. Would he be better off? Let's see, I go back and forth on this. I think the hat is, I think it's weird, but it's part of his brand. Uh, would he be better off just ditching that? I feel like I feel like people would like him more. I think people would like him more, but then he would have to, by the way, I didn't even mention unbelievable performance by whoever's doing the graphics. Like at the beginning of the video, Oh yeah. They, they had this ri- ridiculous graphic of like all of his PGA tour wins. I digress, but yeah, he would have to change his little logo if he stopped wearing the hat. Right. Yeah. That's the problem. So here's, this is actually a great, a great little intro here. So let's see. Uh, let's, let's run this. I'll try to make it as big as possible. Here we go. So we're watching this on YouTube. So you kind of, that's the John Deere trophy. Okay. <laughs> right. He's, he's holding the John Deere trophy over his head. Great graphic there. This is him winning his memorial, the US, maybe? Yeah. Something. He was really skinny then. That was him driving it over uh, six at Bay Hill. There's another victory. Look, it's this is this is good stuff. This that's is like high little... quality. Yeah, that's high quality right there. There you go. But that's the logo. So you can't, can't get away from that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about something else that has been either uh, – I don't want to say grinding my gears, but it has me very much in a thought process that I want to bounce off of somebody else. We're going to talk about that, and there's a little bit of news, breaking news. It's not a little bit of news. The LPGA getting a a ton of money coming its way, so I want to talk about that. That just came off this morning, but we're going to take 30 seconds real quick here. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently, 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. All right, Andy, are you uh, are you an NFT bro? 
Uh, no, I feel like I'm a little bit of an outsider in that community. I'm fascinated by it, but I defer to you in terms of knowledge. Uh, you should not, because I am certainly not well enough versed, which is kind of why when I see projects, and I understand, listen, I understand the blockchain. I understand that it's good for verification. It can be used in a lot of real world scenarios, but then I see projects and I'm left wondering whether this is a good idea or not. So I'd like to describe the one that's kind of taking over our little world. This this golf, uh, I believe it's under, under the name Lynx Dao, I believe is how it's pronounced, D-A-O. D-A-O, yeah. Capital D-A-O as well. Right, don't forget that part. Yep. So capital D-A-O. And what they're essentially doing is selling NFTs that give you the right to buy a membership at a course that they plan to purchase. Let me stop there. What, does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? In theory, uh, yes, it makes sense. I'm, I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty there, but I kind of <laughs> did a little bit of research on, on the guy. He's got a ton of followers on Twitter and it seems like he's raised over $10 million. It's, I know you're a little bit more on the, like, have you yeah. heard of this guy before? No, I have no idea who this guy is. Okay. I, I've, so you I've, didn't... I, I don't know if he's like a big deal or he's done other projects before, or he just has a lot of followers in NFT. Like I have no, I have no idea who he is, you, but, so you, but I don't know who did... a lot of these people are. So that's not necessarily a knock either. Yeah, no, I hadn't heard of him either. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it, this was a, this was an article in CNBC. Right. That's why <laughs> and, I was like, I, oh my God, they got it like this right up in CNBC. Yeah. And I mean, what was it? 10, yeah. 10.4 million dollars in 48 hours selling NFTs. Like, right. Yeah. So there's wow. two, there's two versions of this, of this NFT that you can buy. They essentially, because of the purchases, they raised $10 million and they are describing. So here's the, here's the roadmap is that in mid 2022. So that's this year, believe it or not, they plan to, quote, acquire one of the world's greatest golf courses. Okay. So first of all, $10 million, you can't sniff a, purchasing one of the world's greatest golf courses for $10 million. By the way, what what are, what of the world's greatest golf courses are for sale? <laughs> Correct. Right. So when, when, when I think of world's greatest golf courses, I, must, I just say top 100 golf courses in the world. I sure. can't imagine many of them are for sale and I can't They're imagine not. even even if you wanted to buy just the land on where some of these golf courses are it you it's not you couldn't get it for 10 million dollars. Uh no, you certainly couldn't and I, I mean you would have to there's a difference between buying an already an, ex, an already existing golf course and kind of hiring an architect and building your own. Um in general, Rick, I love the idea of making, you know, getting outside of the very rigid, strict, historical country club idea of golf. Absolutely. Where so many of these fantastic golf courses are impossible for 99.9% of the population to play. And I love the idea of a more inclusive uh, kind of idea for people that are maybe a little bit more online and, but still passionate about golf. The execution is just what I'm struggling with. Right. Okay. I, I agree with you. I'm actually quite fascinated by the concept, but let's, let's keep mining into this. So let's say that you can somehow 
purchase one of the world's greatest golf courses, which will almost certainly require you to raise more money, almost certainly. Oh yeah. And um, so, 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 where where is it going to be? Because you've got these nine thousand, you know, mint owners that are all over the globe, seemingly. And once you put a physical location on this golf course, like ninety percent of your people aren't going to be within one thousand miles of it, so they're not going to get the real world aspect of it. And also, isn't this basically going to be a hostile takeover of whatever club they're like? Do you think the existing membership at Pebble Beach or where, like whatever is going to be really thrilled about uh, the NFT bros coming in and taking over the golf course? No, and I think it would have it would have to be a situation, Rick, where like we've seen golf courses. It's kind of like an if you build it, they will come type deal. If you get an unbelievable piece of land, like Bandon Dunes, for example, you can have success there, right? Like Bandon is in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific Northwest, and it still uh, does extremely well. But to get to a point like that, you would need to purchase such unique land, marry that with, I mean, unbelievable architects, a very strong vision. I mean, I have the book right in the background, The Making of Pacific Dunes uh, by Tom Doak, which basically discusses the story of how they conceived Bandon Dunes. There's a lot there that I think people just aren't considering. Again, I think maybe this would work better if it was like a you know, they scheduled events, right? Like they started Mm. with a meetup or something like that, because you can definitely rent golf facilities for something like that. But it seems a little ambitious at this point, but people are into it. People are spending. People are spending. I, I, I actually think they would have been better off. And this, listen, this might be crazy too. They should have raised $100 million, built their own course, built their own club, and just done whatever they wanted as opposed to trying to take over one of the world's greatest golf courses. One, is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And this is the way that I see this playing out. They will partner with some club. I don't know how prestigious or great it will end up being. Maybe very great. Maybe not so much. They'll partner with a club. They'll basically get a bulk membership rate that is probably not that far off from what you would just go pay it yourself. Um, they will have a lot of people who are not close to said club who are then going to try to sell their pass to buy a membership because you still got to front the money for the membership with this pass. And the existing membership is going to absolutely hate it. That's how I see this panning out. Yeah, not not to get like too deep into like architectural holding companies, but like there are a lot of great places out there, whether it be true and golf or discovery land company, the Mike Meldon property. I, I just, I don't see how you marry that together. They're, they're, they're looking for different things. And like you said, there's a much better chance that they build their own golf course than buy an existing I property. I, I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but I I'm so fascinated to see how, kind of the online generation of people that are fascinated about golf. I'm just fascinated to see where it goes because I think we are Rick finally getting to a point where a lot of the old traditions about golf. um, I think people are starting to say like, Hey, why do we do this? Like the person who first said like, Hey, this is how you're supposed to dress on a golf course. Like, 
Right. Why? 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 Why did we decide upon that? Right. So I'm all for the uh, modernizing of uh, golf in general, uh, but this is something I'm going to be interested to track as we go along. As am I. We shall see how this ends up panning out. According to the roadmap, we will know in the next six months or so. So I'll keep my ear to the ground. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. The ladies tour gets a big injection of both prestige in venues and cash. So this is literally hot off the presses on this, uh, on this Friday morning. We just found out about this where basically the LPGA, the U S women's open, that purse is going from five and a half million dollars, Andy to $10 million. And they are getting some incredible future sites here. So Riviera in 2026, <laughs> never going to hear a complaint about that. Uh, Inverness in 2027, Oakmont in 2028, Pinehurst in 2029. More on that in just one second. But this is, this is a big deal. And, and the PGA Tour is already, or excuse me, the LPGA Tour is already taking more and more steps to get their data into the hands of sports books so that you can wager on this. There's seemingly going to be more and more eyeballs on the women's game in 2022 and beyond. Yeah, and this is such a fascinating and eclectic mix of courses. I like that they're kind of uh, merging like Aaron Hills, for example, a modern course that held a U.S. Open that a lot of people did not like. I, I didn't think that was necessarily the fault of Aaron Hills. So I, I like they just got bad weather. So I really like the idea of giving Aaron Hills another chance. And then you have some of the greatest golf courses of all time, the most classical designs like an Oakmont and a Marion and an Oakland Hills. And you know, the thing I love about women's golf too, is you have more of an ability to get to older classical courses because Correct. you don't deal with the distance problem as much. Correct. So if I was the LPGA, I would be going yes. to Marion all yes. the time because yes. that is a fantastic place and i love that they're kind of thinking that way yes you're absolutely right take take advantage of these golf courses that uh you can still play until until uh the women's game starts chasing speed i was at the when i was at the long drive in mesquite the the, the ladies division Oh my God. They're, they, they hit the ball so far. They're coming. They're coming too. They're going to, that's going to, the distance is coming in that game. What I love here is they, they intersected these in 2029. So both the men, the U S open and the U S women's open, I believe it's back to back weeks are going to be playing at Pinehurst number two, which I love the concept for. We've heard about, heard ideas about this before about either having, kind of uh, not co-ed events, but two events that are running simultaneously uh, on the same golf course. So you can kind of get different perspectives, but a week apart, Pinehurst number two in 2029 is going to host both us opens. That's going to be awesome. And I'm, yeah. I'm for that too. I mean, the more that we can try and uh, merge the men's game and the women's game, whether it be, you know, stuff like the match where, you know, I have my own issues with the match, but at the end of the day, I, I think it works for the most part. I think it's an entertaining product. So I, I love the way that the LPGA is thinking right now. I love that they're getting some more money uh, pumped into them. I almost think Rick, like women's golf is, I don't want to say that it's more fun to watch, but it, it feels a lot of the time more like how golf was meant to be played. If that makes sense. It's a lot of uh, it feels a lot more strategic 
uh, and it feels a lot more sometimes um, like they're kind of playing, you know, you're not going to get situations like target golf as much and, and stuff that Bryson can do. So I would really encourage everyone if they haven't given women, women's golf a shot, especially at the majors, like it's really fun to watch and we get some great courses coming up with them. Yeah. Speaking of giving women's golf a shot, especially for majors and, and, and entertaining it more frequently. So that news about the, the money came today, Friday, but two days ago, the LPGA tour announced a partnership with IMG arena. If you don't know what that is, it is essentially um, just this, the, the, the place to be or the partnership to secure kind of like your official sports betting data, your live streaming distribution. It basically makes it easier to bet on, right? It, it takes the data live and sends it to sports books. So the state of the state of wagering on women's golf right now, Andy, is generally outrights for majors. Some books are going to have outrights for a lot more events, but this is a clear step in the direction of getting more people to wager on the LPGA. And as we know, if you're able to wager on it, you are much more likely to view it live as it's happening. I have to ask you, you probably know maybe a little bit more about this than I do, but what is their stage with advanced analytics right now? Like how are their strokes gained and stuff like that? I haven't really dug into that yet. So um, about three months ago, so I'd have to check and see where they're at right now, but they've been compiling the strokes gain metrics and I believe they are going to spend, don't quote me on this, but I think they're going to spend this entire year collecting all of the data. And then I think next year you're going to be seeing it on the website and kind of in more places, but they are again, committing to the stat side of it as well. That's awesome. I, I loved, I love to see that. And again, I think the more that we can um, kind of lean into this gambling thing um, and kind of just accept it as the way that we're going, the better. So I'm super excited for these major venues. I'm super excited for women's golf in general, and uh, I can't wait to see for what's to come. Okay. Um, we kind of started the show with the Century Tournament of Champions. I think we can kind of wrap it with that as well. Um, do you have any – so I was kind of looking at the at the stats, Andy. I was kind of looking at some of the wagers. I think Bryson's number is somewhat interesting. I think he's 14-1 to 1 to win the golf tournament at the moment. But is there anything that you're looking out for in round two? Is it how JT and Patrick Reed bounce back? I mean, those two are playing together. First group out, P, uh, ES. ESPN plus I, I'll be, I'll be definitely tuned into those two to kind of see what we get and have a, a second round of overreaction. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see about that too. Obviously I saw you tweeted out Reed having like the worst round off the tee uh, ever. of his ever <laughs> of his entire career, yeah. um, which is, you know, he's actually, from what I've heard, I could be wrong about this. He's been using that driver for a couple yeah. weeks. Is that he correct? Has. He just yeah. exclude. This was yeah. when he announced that he exclusively signed the deal. Correct. Yeah. And, and I might, yes. And I might've been, I might've been at fault for that for kind of a loot. Like I was kind of alluding to the PXG clubs, but he has been using that for, yeah, at least a couple of, of events, I believe. So here's, here's, um, here's the worst rounds of Patrick Reed's career off the tee. So yesterday, I think he lost three points five ish. I'll go look had never been worse than 2.9 
And that was eight years ago at the Tampa Bay Championship, which I think is now the Valspar. So it was it was historically bad for him. But yes, it it took off as like, oh, the first time he uses a PXG driver, uh, he lo- has the worst round ever. It's not technically true, but it's a great little narrative that I, I'm happy to not correct. Yeah, of course. And I mean, that's the fu- I mean, it's it's Patrick Reed at the end of the day. He's always going to get kind of dragged under the mud, justifiably so. Um, but yeah, I think probably Justin Thomas, I'm really fascinated to see, um, how he rebounds from such a poor approach round. I I really, you don't see that too often with JT. I don't have the numbers up in front of me to kind of see how he bounces back from such poor approach rounds, but I'm really interested to see with Justin Thomas. I think Rick, we've talked about it a little bit before, but we're both very high on JT going into the year. He's like kind of my early pick to win the masters and, I think the public perception of him is still a little bit off. I don't think he's been as bad as people think he has been, but he's probably the guy that I'm most excited for to watch in round two, especially with the early coverage. Yeah, that's that's what I'm – yeah, I'm going to see every shot of Patrick Reed. I'm going to see every shot of Justin Thomas. Um, I'll, I'll also – I also think it's fascinating. Um, the Cam Smith, Daniel Berger, you know, they're, they're out front. It's only 18 holes whatever we'll we'll figure out how this thing shakes out over the final three but when they have just absolute stallions breathing down their neck like john rahm and patrick cantlay like those guys are just absolutely lurking and i'm so high on both smith and both burger the advanced analytics the weighted strokes gain stuff very much favorable to those two and it would be a really cool exclamation point to start the year for one of those who I think are both going to have great years to kind of outrun some of these studs. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's going to be hard to do. It's certainly not going to be easy, but but I, I would love to see if one of those two could pull it off. Gun to your head, who wins? Yeah, so Brian says um, that in the chat. I mean, if you're putting a gun to my head, I'm going. I'm going to take. I'm going to take the favorite. Right? I'll mm-hmm. take. John, I'll take John Rahm. He's. He did not. He didn't really take advantage of some of the easier holes on Thursday. He's the best player. He's off to a great start. I. I mean, you have. You have to pick Rahm, don't you? Yeah. I, maybe I should have rephrased the question. I think there's two good questions here. Gun to your head, who do you think, or we don't need to be dramatic here, who do you think is going to win and best bet on the board currently? Because I would say Rom for who I think is going to win. I think the best bet on the board, in my opinion, is honestly Colin. No. You think Sungjae? No. I think it's Bryson. Okay. Bryson's like 14. So the okay, what's 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 Morikawa's odds right now? I, I mean, why am I asking? I can pull this up. He's, He's 11 uh, to 1. 11 to 1. 11 to 1. So the pro- the problem with with Colin and what is he at? Two, he's like two under. Oh my god, he got to five under. What did he do he's, at the end of his round? He's, he's five under, Rick. Eleven oh, to one. Neutral. I might putter. take all this back. Yeah, neutral putter gained uh, over a stroke on approach, gained over a stroke off the tee, and you know on a course where like people are wailing away with drivers and Colin's not one of the longer players in this field. If he's gaining almost two strokes on the field off the tee, he's like locked in with his driver right now. Yes. Would you argue that being a zero putter, like that's, that's a win for him, isn't it? I think so. He's one. I mean, he's, I'm trying to think. I can't remember off the top of my head. Has he won tournaments before as a neutral putter? I know Justin Thomas has. Justin Thomas oh, has I don't, won. No, I don't think he has. 
I'll try. Okay, so he needs, yeah, he needs to spike. But I think what we get with Colin is if Colin's a neutral putter, he's kind of a lock to finish in the top 10. He may not oh, win. For sure, for sure. Yeah, but he's a lock to finish in the top 10. I guess my argument is like, if he's going to lose strokes with the putter in, let's just say it's 60% of the rounds, he's like a zero is already the 40% side for him. So now he's got to get, he's got to pile up like 40%, 40 times 40% times 40% to kind of get this in the clubhouse with a victory. So his wins have been, let's see here. Um, this is via obviously my website, rickrungood.com. So his win at the Barracuda. Oh my God. Doesn't that feel like a decade ago? I know. Uh, yeah. Gained, gained two and a half strokes putting there. Open championship. We don't have the numbers on, but remember he made every single putt yeah, he and he led amazing. the field in like fewest putts or whatever. WGC concession, he gained four strokes putting. PGA Championship, he gained eight. Dubai, we don't have his breakdown. So yeah, he, he needs to he needs to gain strokes to win. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean I think it's it's interesting to see where he'll go because he doesn't tend to hang around neutral very often. It's gonna go in one direction. For, I completely agree with that. Yeah. He's so, gonna well, lose I'm, three or he's gonna gain three. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where it goes, and that's why I think I probably like lean him as the best bet on the board because yeah. you're getting that kind of aspect of volatility. But I, I like Bryson too. I mean, Bryson just based on the eye test, Rick. Like Bryson looked pretty good. I haven't. Let me float you a theory real quick. Yeah. Do you worry about Bryson on? Yes. Uh, undul- yes. <laughs> undulate. Do you worry about him on on undulating courses? with the single length irons because I've been floated that theory before about how he, how once you get a lot of slope and elevation and you run into this sometimes with Augusta, yeah, the ball's, above, where your feet, the ball's yeah. above your feet and it's kind of can be a processing error for him. Yeah. Do you, do you subscribe to that? I'm like kind of halfway there. I think there's, there's some merit to it. There's, t- I think there is too. And I think there's two reasons that I worry about Bryce on, on undulated courses. One is exactly what you just described. And when the ball is, six inches above his feet or eight inches above his feet. And he's hitting a wedge that is the length of his seven iron or six iron. That's a, it's a super awkward situation to be in. I also worry about him, especially on undulating greens without his new greens reading book that's gone for this year. So yes, but like I worry about Bryson all the time, right? He's just such, he's such a unique creature and he's going to do the extremes of everything that like, just in general, do you worry about Bryson? My answer is yes, I worry about him. The 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 reason is uh, that I kind of like him here is he's doing exactly what he did last year, which is he's gaining strokes off the tee and he's losing strokes everywhere else. That finished he finished seventh last year doing exactly that. He's a good putter. He's got to get his approaches back. Like I, there's a really simple math path for Bryson to go out and gain three strokes putting over his final three rounds, not do anything better on approach, drive it just as well. And now he's in contention. Yeah. I think there's a lot of room for improvement with the, he lost about 0.3 strokes putting last guy. I want to ask you about real quick. Cause I know we spent a ton of time on him in the debut episode. what do you think about Xander on one hand? I was like kind of disappointed. His ball striking stats weren't good at all. And at the yeah. same time, I felt like he did a pretty decent job of manufacturing around without his best golf. I completely agree. So Xander is one of those guys who can get a lot out of a little. He didn't, he clearly did not have his best stuff. He lost strokes off the tee, lost even more on approach. He was dead even around the greens and, the, and, he, and he putted well. And that's, 
that's not Xander. Xander is gain across the board. Um, sometimes he just can get nuts and, and, and hit his driver really well or hit his irons really well. But that was not clearly not his best stuff, and he's four under, and he's four back. JT didn't have his best stuff, clearly, and he just ejected the round. So I, I thought Xander got the most out of what he had on Thursday, and it's unlikely for him to basically continue to play as poorly as he did in the opening round. It, there, there is, I, I, would be, I would be excited to see Xander move up the board over the final three days. Yeah, and he's, I mean, four under is fine. He's right in the mix with Hovland, too. I think he's like, now he's like 18 or 19 to one. So you could do worse than that. Also, like, I, I know we're, like, Patrick Cantlay might just, <laughs> I'm not going to name, like, everybody might just win this thing, but Cantlay, that ability to get scorching, like he showed us, I think it was from 13 to 17 or whatever, that stretch you referred to earlier. And then he was literally greenside in two, like, 40 feet away on 18 and couldn't get up and down. Made, it was kind of a really ugly, sloppy way to finish his round. He just picked up right where he left off. Zero, zero rust, no worries. Uh, he, he's been very impressive. He, West Coast Cantlay is like a problem. Like, I, I don't know if you remember this last year, but he almost won Pebble Beach and Amex like back to back last year. Um, he is, uh, he is awesome on the West coast. And I, I would not be surprised one bit if you wanted to, if he got off to a really hot start this season, I think he, it was kind of one of those things last year, Rick, where it seemed like he he, he really had like this breakthrough where once you win two or three times, kind of in a short period of time, you seem to gain a lot of confidence and he just seems like he's playing a ton of confidence right now. So I'm with you. It's hard not to be extremely bullish on can't let going forward. I was looking at the pairings for Friday here. So we talked about Reed and Justin Thomas. Some of these are like, okay, okay, whatever. No, no big deal. No big deal. Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth are playing together at 1030. How much oh conversation like that is good. Just mic these guys up. Don't put any broadcasters. Don't do anything. Just put a, a mic on these guys. And I will, I, I'd pay, I'd pay for this. I'd pay-per-view this. Phenomenal. I think Jordan, he said something funny on 18. I remember he hit. He hit it into like the hazard yeah. on eight. More of the story, Greller is just like he's <laughs> Michael. <laughs> yeah, Michael. Uh, <laughs> uh, Got to be the most underpaid man in golf. Just, uh, just an unbelievable pairing. I, I, that's going to be super fun to watch. Rom and Cantley at twelve thirty-five. Just that's throw a good the one two, the, the two stallions together, and then uh, the final group, Smith and Berger. I love the regrouping after two rounds, or excuse me, after one round. I know that you cannot do that really in a regular PGA Tour event because you've got the waves, and if you played in the morning, then you have to play in the afternoon. But the low, one of my favorite things about the smaller field, like Hero World Challenge, does it as well, is repairing after every round. I love it. Oh, it's great because then you already like it's a Friday and it already feels like you're into Saturday right yes. now because it, the leaders are going off last. I love it. Anything else before we get out of here on this Friday scramble? I don't think so, buddy. I'm excited for the weekend, though. I can't wait. It'll be good. It'll be a good run. Um, ha have you ever played disc golf? Oh yeah, I forgot that in the outline. No, I haven't really. I haven't really. Have I. Dive, I haven't really dived into disc golf again. But again. As I mentioned, Rick, I am pro like golf adjacent activities. Like I'm pro like yeah. trying new stuff like that. 
the reason I ask is because we we took our dog Oliver to a new park uh, yesterday, and they had this unbelievable. This must be the tor- like the Tory Pines of disc golf courses. It was massive. I they felt like they had fifty holes. I don't know, and there were people playing, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is special. I mean, like I I could get into that. It's a quick walk. It probably doesn't take very long to play. Is this in Vegas? So this is in Vegas. Like Correct. a suburb, suburb of Vegas. Okay. Correct. Well, I'm yeah, sure not I'm like sure, on the strip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure LA has some version of this as well. So I'll have to I'll have to check it out. I can't throw a frisbee though, which I feel like is gonna be a problem. I'm not a very good I'm not I, I can't get the action down. Can you are you a good frisbee thrower? No. No, I'm not. We're gonna have to practice yeah. this. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe if you do end up coming to Tory Pines, we will yeah we'll do like a scramble with the some of the fans disc golf meetup prior to tory there is also uh they the players the discers i don't know i don't know what the term is they they take it very they have a bag of multiple frisbees discs i suppose they're called and i imagine there are i'm just assuming they do different things right there's probably one is like a driver there's probably one for like shorter shots. Maybe if I got to keep it low, I, I, I'm now I can see myself going down this rabbit hole of of disc golf. Now we already have people in the chat, Rick, saying that they have cousins that were amateur disc golfers. And Here we go. There's yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can throw. And you know, uh, well said by Dan Kelly. Like golf, you have to practice. Here we go. Yeah, Cody says driver approach slice putter those are all different discs i love that i'm dude i'm like this time next year i'm gonna be disc golfing every day i can feel it now where else are you going to find a show engaging (laughs) the disc golf community the answer is nowhere (laughs) all right it's time to go andy lack at adp lack sports on twitter you can find me at rick run good thanks for tuning in to friday scramble we're back on tuesday oh andy Mark Leishman was your one and done. How do you feel about that? I meant to ask you. Okay, right? Three under, four under? Yeah. Uh, four. Okay, four under. The way I look at it, Rick, is if I can beat you using Mark Leishman with you using Xander, that's a W for me. I thought I thought the same thing. So I need a little bit of I need a little bit X X gonna give it to you uh here on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That'll do it for us. Back on Tuesday, same time, same place, 12 p.m. Eastern time, Rick Run Good YouTube channel, then available on replay in all of your feeds. But thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.